0: The IRS has hired private debt collection agencies to start collecting outstanding taxes. They can already garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and levy your bank account. If you're drowning in tax debt, get ready for a relief hotline. Civic tax can protect you from IRS collection agencies, stop the added fees, and wage garnishments and help you break free from the IRS. If you're backed into a corner with back taxes, call Civic Tax Relief for free information right now. You may qualify for the Fresh Start program that is now available through Civic Tax Relief. Civic Tax Relief is A-rated by the Better Business Bureau with a five-star rating on the BBB. You could save thousands in tax forgiveness. Or you may qualify for special relief programs based on your specific situation. Civic Tax Relief special tax hotline can help you discover all the relief programs that you qualify for absolutely free. Just call 800 324-4522. 800-324-4522. Do not wait because the consultation is free. The information is free. This call could save you thousands. Call right now. 800-324-4522. 800-324-4522.
1: Oh, it's like when I was a kid, you know, you'd walk down the Path. And if there was a frog in the path, some people would walk by and some people would poke the frog in the ass to see how far it would jump. And I was one of those kids poking a frog in the
0: ass. Hey, now it's cracking. Welcome to the Jim Podcast. I am pumped for this week's episode. It is Ep 98 to be exact as we get closer and closer to the much-anticipated number 100 in a couple of weeks. This week, we are chopping it up with a man who has twice been named the Pac-12 Coach of the Year, also the Big 12 Coach of the Year back in 2008, and was named the AFCA's National Coach of the Year last season. And last year, he won a share of the Pac-12 North title at Washington State. He capped off an 11-2 season with a win over Iowa State in the Alamo Bowl. The Cougars are currently 3-2, and they will play at number 20 Arizona State a week from Saturday. Of course, I'm talking about the Pirate, the one and only Mike Leach. We are talking Wazoo football and the Air Raid offense on F98, which starts right now. Now, Mike, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken, so bring me up to date. How you living? How is Pullman treating you?
1: Well, I'm at Pullman. We're pounding away. Uh, Of course, had a huge year last year. Uh, This year, we've got a pretty good nucleus of guys that we haven't really hit stride yet. Uh, We do some good things, but we're not uh, doing it consistently and together, but we're getting better. And... uh, we just got to keep working, but uh, you know we've got uh, we've got a good quarterback and a good running back and uh, and you know some good youngish players. that We got to get to start playing a little better.
0: All right, so you got some good things there, and you're coming off that year a bowl win, eleven wins. You were pretty hot after last week's loss to Utah. You said that your players were fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. You know, Mike, pretty direct, pretty tough. What did you see specifically that made you say that?
1: You know, the biggest thing, and, you know, it all starts with uh, the coaches, you know, and and I'm at the top, but it all starts with us coaches. Uh, um, You know, we got signs on all the walls that say you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. So, um, you know, we're in deeper than they are, really. But, um, no, I think that, that, you know, after you have a certain amount of success, year before uh, we had the best season in the history of the school, And, um, and then of course, uh, that's celebrated as it should be. And then I think there's times that that ends up getting celebrated too long and it sticks in everyone's head just a little bit too long. And then all of a sudden, um, things are supposed to get easy and winds are supposed to roll in and that's never how it is, you know, and that's always, um, you know, a lesson that everybody needs to learn. And I think that, uh. Uh, and concentrate on all the time. And then, then, I think in our case, you know, um, you know, just sitting and being pleased with ourselves. And, you know, uh, there's only a little of that that, uh, there's only a little of that that's really beneficial. And, um, you know, and, and we felt like uh, we deserved uh, to win stuff because, you know, what? There were some nice newspaper articles about us or whatever you call the media nowadays. And then since those articles said all that, well, of course they were all true, you know? And then, um, you know, I think we were too quick to embrace that. And, and the funny thing is, because is we worked extremely hard in camp, extremely hard uh, in the off season. And then, well, and then all of a sudden this stuff was supposed to fall, fall a little simpler than it did. And I thought, you know, we did some good things the first couple of games, but I also, Uh, thought we played incomplete and the thing uh, that I think is most important with football is just loving each moment because you only get a few of them and if you do that as you stack it uh, up at the end you'll probably be pretty good
0: Yeah. so Mike I'm hearing a few things here number one you said hey look it starts with the coaches we're looking at ourselves first and then maybe our guys coming off a really good year read the press clippings let me ask you this how has the team responded since you said what you said and in the aftermath of that game
1: it seems pretty well. I mean, we've had, uh, oh, you know, we've had a number of uh, the, the team, kind of the team leaders, uh, 12 guys, you know, um, uh, kind of step up. I mean, they they talked amongst themselves, and then we uh, – but I think everybody's really re- – and then uh, we talked with them uh, among the staff. And really the funny thing, the amazing thing is, is – everybody was saying the exact same thing everybody was pretty much on the same page and then and then uh you know i think so i think we're all excited to get back out on the field again we're off this week so but uh we're excited to get back out there and go you know
0: you know, like I was thinking about, it. it's been exactly one year almost to the day I spoke to Gardner Minshew, and Minshew Mania is sweeping Duval County right now. So let me ask you about him. How pleased are you to see your former quarterback tearing it up with Jacksonville the way he is?
1: Well, I'm I'm really excited about it, and I actually thought he would if he ever got the chance, but that uh, uh, if they ever get the chance, part of it is a, is a big element to success in the NFL, because you know, I think there's some good players that don't get the chance because with quarterback, there's a lot of right place, right time. But, um, and then uh, unfortunately for Nick Foles, you know, um, he went out with an injury and then of course Gardner stepped in. And Gardner's a lot of fun to watch because he brings an incredible amount of energy and that, you know, the energy does two things. It's really exciting to watch, but then the other thing, um, on the path of that uh, the rest of the team gets really excited. They get excited to be out there. They get excited to be a part of something. And it just elevates the whole effort, you know.
0: Mike, you knew exactly what you had in him, the way he prepared, what he brought to it. What did you make of all the questions and skepticism about him prior to the draft? Questions that ultimately resulted in him being taken in the sixth round.
1: Well, you know, I've had a number of guys like him. And the the thing is, in the NFL, um, well, the NFL's kind of got a dysfunctional approach to um, quarterbacks and draft selections anyway. But, um, you know, because different places are going to value different things. And a lot of times, um, you know, the coaches that pick one guy aren't there long enough to coach him. And then the other thing is, is most teams uh, the coaches don't do the drafting, uh, and in some uh, and they range between having um, uh, a lot of say to virtually no say in who's drafted. So with that, I think the barometer of who values what I think is uh, uh, is quite extreme, and so uh, the, from that standpoint, it's unpredictable who takes who. But then. Once they uh, once they they do select them, um, then sometimes they get caught up in all these measurables. But they used to call me on Gardner, and they'd say how strong's his arm, and you know stronger than average. And I mean because i they go through all our film. and I'm like okay stronger than average. I you know, but in the back of my mind I'm thinking, did you watch the film? Is he accurate? And I'm thinking about some of these teams, whoever they had playing on uh, Sunday last year, uh, and, and I'm thinking, you a heck of a lot more accurate than your guy is. <laughs> I, go, I go, yeah, he's pretty accurate. And then, um, you know, how is he in the pocket? Well, he's great in the pocket. Almost never takes a tackle for loss. But my favorite question of all, and this is after they measured everything that there is. They've even probably measured some unmentionables, okay? And um
0: like what so, Mike
1: cause that, so after they they measured nearly everything then they asked me well how tall is he hmm. and so after about the second time they asked me that question <clears throat> I started saying he's exactly as tall as the all-time leading passer in the history of the National Football League Drew Brees hmm. and, and 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 then there'd be this long pause and you know Uh, as they are letting the the whole thing sink in or trying to figure out what to say. Then I'd go, and by the way, he's probably about 10 pounds heavier. What do you think of that, you know? (laughs) anyway.
0: So any part Um, of you, and look.
1: fun where you can, you know.
0: One out of four batteries are going to fail this winter. Get yours tested for free during Superstar Battery Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. If it needs to be replaced, O'Reilly has the Superstar Battery for you. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices, every day. I want to talk to you about something you and I have talked about in the past, the air raid. Like, if you were to go way back, you and Hal Mummy are credited with creating the air raid offense, which obviously has had great success now, both in college and in the NFL. But if you were to take me back, what was the process the two of you used to develop that offense? How did that come to be back in the day?
1: Well, it was a a time when... uh it was a time when a lot of uh, offense was being done, okay? So this would be back in, uh, oh, let's see, I got out of law school, 86. So let's say 86, about, about 86. Um, in that period, 86 to 89 in there, <clears throat> um, there was a lot of offense going around. BYU was on the tear as far as uh, uh, throwing it all over the place, uh, the run and shoot <laughs> was uh, out there, you know, where you had um, uh, Mouse Davis, uh, June Jones uh, before them, Tiger Ellison. Then you had uh, uh, Jack Elway in that three-step passing game that uh, Dennis Erickson, Mike Price did. Then you had uh, uh, other places like Montana, which wasn't – probably held in as reverent a terms uh among the public but among coaches. I mean um, we all thought Don Reed and that group were geniuses. Uh, and uh, then you had Bill Walsh in the West Coast oh.
2: <coughs>
1: in the West Coast offense stuff and um so it was a great time to pick ideas. And um and I'd gone to BYU and, and then me and Hal Mummy met at BYU Spring Football as we watched uh, them practice and tried to learn whatever we could, and um, and from there we had the opportunity to work together. But um, we really, um, there wasn't so much that anybody invented or that we invented as it was plucking and packaging uh, things, ideas together that comp- complemented one another.
0: Mike, I want to go back to air raid for a minute, but like like what was law school like for you and how different would your life be like if you'd followed that path?
1: You know, I don't know. On one hand, it was a a step that kind of defines your thinking in some ways. I mean, you think about things uh, differently after having gone to law school. Uh, Law school is a grind. Uh, I've always been suspicious of – After having been to law school, I've always been suspicious of people that say that they really enjoyed law school. Um, A lot of people really enjoy being attorneys, but, you know, law school's a different effort. But uh, there's a lot of solidarity in law school um, because it's part education, part drudgery, part initiation. And you do uh, leave there knowing that uh, not everybody would be able to do that. And, um, so there, I think it does, uh, uh, generate some confidence and, uh, and, uh, and then some, you know, some good, uh, background as far as uh, examining ideas, things like that. Um, on, on one hand I'd be in, I would have been in coaching, for, uh, three or four years sooner. Um, but on the other hand, I'd probably have a little different approach to it. I guess I don't really think it's. You know, structurally or anything like that, but uh, um, maybe more like the whole program, how you think about and analyze things.
0: I like that. I'm glad I asked you that. So if you go back to. You create this offense with how mummy, and like you said, we didn't create it necessarily, but we just kind of plucked it and we put it together and we came up with this these concepts. But then when the NFL kind of came around to it initially, well, before they came around to it, there was that widespread resistance and skepticism and the whole, it's a gimmick, it'll never work here. Let me ask you something. If it works on a lower level, if it works in high school, if it works in college, should it not logically work in the NFL?
1: Oh, of course it will. I've always thought that's way overrated. I mean, because you, everybody wants to be arrogant of the guy below them or whatever, and and, and it's utterly insane. Um, um, it, but it's 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 crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, why wouldn't it? You know, and everybody plays that game. I get a kick out of the game. Everybody plays the. Yeah, it, it doesn't work at this level, game. Well, How can that possibly be? You know. There may be a, a, a an item or two, but then they always want to say, "Well, at this level, we've got this." But that, because you know, I've seen you know Division Two do it to high schools. I've seen Division One do it to Division Two and One aa and then I've seen the NFL try to play that game with uh, with college. You know, they say, "Well, you can't do that in this league because uh, um, because the corners in this league." Uh, well, they're of course all like Deion Sanders, you know, and, and, and which they of course absolutely aren't, but, uh, uh, but let's say they are all right, fine. Great. Then I get Jerry, right. You know, and so then, um, and then, you, you know, they had a player, you had a player, they had a player. And despite the fact that it's sort of fun, it's all fairly ridiculous because, you know, um, the, the, all of a sudden they'll add Lawrence Taylor or somebody to be their defensive end, and yet you're still stuck with whoever's uh, you're starting division to uh, left tackle, you know? Right. And uh, no, I think it all mitigates. And I think very, very, very seldom is there something that won't work in high school that won't work in, uh, in uh, the NFL. And, and so then, but uh, you know, on the air raid thing, um, I always thought that uh, um on the fringe around the NFLs where there was more suspicion, um like for example, uh oh like uh, uh kind of the scouts, the uh, uh reporters, you know, kind of the ass covering crowd was more the ones that were skeptical of oh, the coaches the coaches, it always seemed to me, if something would work, they'd do it. You know, if they thought it would work or help them get a first down, they'd do it. But um, <clears throat> um, but they were naturally naturally kind of complex because there's, there's nothing like in an NFL playbook in a lot of cases where, you know, everybody's from a variety of different places and this is worked tech, so that's work. And then they don't take anything out. And then pretty soon the thing's like six inches thick, you know, and. And in 10 seasons, you can't run everything that's in there.
0: You know, like, go back to the ass-covering crowd. Like, the media, the reporters, why do they need to cover their ass? Why Why would they be skeptical, and what are they covering for?
1: I think that they, uh, uh, you know, because I think that the coaches are, well, first of all, I think they're trying to be noticed. And then the other thing, they're trying to be a over uh, over the media crowd that uh, covers somebody else, say the high school or the college or whatever. And because they, you know, they they get kind of elitist too, you know, because I'll tell you this, there's nothing that entertains me more than uh, somebody that I've known for years who's maybe a nice guy, but, you know, sort of a total a mid-level or dopey coach, go to the NFL for a year and come strutting around like all of a sudden, you know, his knowledge base uh, has quadrupled right before our eyes, you know? Right. And then, and then, um, um, yeah, and, and, you know, and of course I'm thinking, you know, you are sort of an idiot a year ago and you're still an idiot. Now you're really an idiot. But that, uh, and then, um, uh, the other is, is I think that, um, um, you know, the coaches are quite guarded and, you know, and if something doesn't work or, you know, yeah, they get tired, and I understand this. As a coach, you get tired of well, so and so did this, and it worked really good. Why don't you do this? Well, you have your own thoughts and package and idea, and you don't want to hear about all that. And and then you know, maybe you throw out the occasional, well, that won't work at this level. We play real football, or something like that. You know, and I, so I think it just becomes sort of a deal that goes back and forth. And then, of course, the 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 scoop reporter that who's on top of it. Yeah. You hear that? You heard it right there. It won't work at this level. And then, so then pretty soon they pass it on to everybody else. And and then quietly uh, several years back, Bill Belichick among others, start running all these air raid concepts and going to the Super Bowl and running air raid concepts right under everybody's nose while it won't work in that league. You know,
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike. I was going to say, it's one thing to say, it won't work in that league. It's another to run it in that league and deny that you're running it in that league or at least not acknowledge it because I was going to say, what do I know is a talking head, but have the Patriots not been running it or variations of it for years?
1: Oh, they've been doing it for over 10 years and then not not just that. The last several Super Bowls have been played. It's, it's air raid concept on air raid con- versus air raid concept and I just think the coaches don't necessarily update uh the media and things like that. And I think the idea is just stuck out there. And then uh you know the the funny thing is uh is um as Minch's team the Jaguars who you know and I I know some of their coaches and respect them but um they're not particularly air raid in what they do offensively. So right. they um so Uh, you know, so here you got him, uh, on a good roll right now. And they're not particularly air raid, but, uh, you know, uh, most of the top teams in the NFL are.
0: So Mike, if they, and I agree with you, they don't, they don't seem like they're set up for that at all. Like their management, their coaching staff. Was that a matter of if they're not really air raid people, was he just way too good of a player for them not to take when he was on the board?
1: Well, I think they've been good for a while. I just think that, um, um, you know, I I, I think that, well, the the biggest thing with with Gardner was, one, um, they all bitched about his size like they do on height, you know, and then um, uh, the other thing was uh, they hadn't heard of him, you know, I mean, because he had kind of an odd path and, You know, it was one that I kind of scrutinized a little myself, Um, you know, because he starts out in uh, uh, high school, then he goes to Troy State, and then he goes to, um, I think it was Northwest Mississippi Junior College, but it was one of them down there. I think it was that one. And then he goes to uh, uh, East Carolina and then he comes to us, and so, you know, and how much he started and how much he played was kind of mixed at each stop, you know. I mean, Troy didn't play at all. Uh, <laughs> Northwest Mississippi won the JC National Championship. Um, <clears throat> East Carolina, I he, he played off and on uh, about half the time in our place. He came in, won 11 games, led the nation in passing, and and was the uh, Pac-12 player of the year.
0: What the hell does that tell you, by the way, Mike? Like, you don't know where you can find players? I mean, This guy who had that journey, who bounced around, who didn't play at these smaller places, finally gets an opportunity, makes the most of it. The guy's winning on Sundays now. What, what does that tell you about the process, the whole thing?
1: Well, I think the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, you just kind of stick in there and... And, um, you know, and, and, he was always a confident guy that had a lot of belief in himself. Um, when he got to our place, I felt like he was really good, but, um, you know, I, I don't know uh, how much he developed, uh, along the way. I mean, it's difficult for me to say, um, if I was at Troy, I would have liked him any better than the Troy guys did. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, uh. He um, he probably improved along the way, but uh, he was a great guy to work with and just, you know, great to have in uh, the film room. I mean, he'd walk in, and as he's sitting down, the quarterback next to him would have a, one of those crunchy granola bars. He'd just immediately punch it so that it was sawdust when the guy ate it, you know, and then he'd joke around with people in the room, and he was just always... Uh, um, yeah. really driven and, f- and fun at all the same time, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah people love him. You can tell. I'm on, I'm on the outside looking in, but you can tell how people feel about him. We had him on the show last year, like I said, a year ago, and he just he shows up that way. Now, if I were to ask you, like you look at the Air Raid guys now, I could say Mahomes, Goff, Mayfield, Kyler Murray. But going back to your point, if the Pats were running that thing or parts of that thing for 10 years ago, does that make Tom Brady the first official Air Raid quarterback in the NFL?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. In some ways, you can argue Jim Montana mm, a lot. Um, okay? Because that West Coast offense had uh, a lot of things that we borrowed from, you know. But Bill Walsh, I heard Bill Walsh uh, in a talk one time credit Sid Gilman. you know. Then so, I mean, I can think clear back to you know, uh, what little film and stuff I've read. Sammy Baugh threw it a ton clear back then with Dutch Meyer, you know, it's his coach. And then and I I wish I knew more about both of those subjects, but, you know, I think it's been kind of working its way up the chain, but um, some of those uh, 49er teams with uh, uh, when they had some of the more open concepts were, because I know we borrowed from them, certainly. So, um, um, you know, we're pretty air raidish right there too. So, you know, everybody wants to define this stuff like a religion and things. But, um, you know, I think it's just, uh, um, you know, we successfully uh, stacked a bunch of good plays together, and then, and then as the as the stack got, got some pretty good ones in it, then others took notice and
0: plucked some from the stack, you know. Hey, listen, are you one of the people who is doing the hiring for your company? If so, you know what that's like. It can be a really slow process. As an example, Cafe Alturas, COO, Dylan Miskowitz had to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. Great decision. You see, ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology. identifies people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them quickly. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was pumped by how quickly he had great candidates apply to him. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter out the applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. This is how Dylan found his new director of coffee in only a few days. With results like that, it is no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try it for free at our web address ziprecruiter.com slash clones ziprecruiter.com slash clones c-l-o-n-e-s ziprecruiter.com slash clones ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire mike i want to i want to ask you something and i want to ask you this with great respect and reverence Tra- tragedy hit the cougar family when tyler holinsky took his own life in 2018 for those who did not know him, can you take a moment and say, what was he like as a young man and a player and a teammate? You know, he was
1: he was a real-life uh, the uh, the party type of guy. I mean, just, uh, he was a very, very pleasant guy. Um, you know, and, and one thing that meant a lot to him is he, he always wanted people to feel good, feel good about themselves. And then he would walk in and... Um, and even like as you're going out there on the field, if he saw somebody he didn't think was uh, having a good day or seemed like they might be a little down, Tyler was a guy that would try to pick you up and uh, <clears throat> always joking around and had kind of, you know, the quick little nicknames for people. All right. Hey, big time. How you doing? You know? Uh, yeah. You know, and was just always lifting people up and, and, I can't think of any group or, uh, you know, social setting that, um, <coughs> didn't want to have Tyler around. <coughs> I think that, uh, I think sometimes I wonder, you know, you always think, you know, what caused all this, how did it lead to this? Cause you know, he always seemed, uh, so pleasant and upbeat. Uh, but I think that, uh, Sometimes he spent so much making time, making sure everybody else was doing good that he uh, he didn't devote enough, <clears throat> enough time to himself, you know. Hmm. And uh, I don't know. It was it was tough because you know I <clears throat> um, in other times in my life I've known people that have taken their life and um, they did you know in some cases I mean you're always surprised you're always stunned okay but. Uh, uh, but you know, some, not a surprise, you know, yeah, he was a person type of deal. Uh, not Tyler he was trying to pick everybody else up. And I think it was important to Tyler that everybody liked him. And if somebody, if he felt like he disappointed, uh, uh, somebody, I think, I think that, you know, really worked on him a little bit and uh, anyway, so it, <laughs> it was a loss that uh, it was a loss that we all feel around here, um, uh, you know, Tyler. But uh, uh, we, and there's nobody that doesn't have uh, positive and fond memories of Tyler that knew him.
0: Hmm. I was going to say, as a follow, is, is his presence? Is he still felt around that program? You know,
1: I think so. Uh, you know, we have him on. The, he, he came in to lead us to a win against Boise state just a wild game. And um, so the highlights show the second quarter here. And then, uh, you know, I guess I remember where he was sitting the whole thing as we go through all these meetings and, um, you know, you'd kind of banter uh, back and forth, which that's what happens in these deals because, you know, you're locked in there watching film and under the best of circumstances, uh, football's, uh, got a drudgery to it and um, um and so that's livened up by all the different cultures and backgrounds you get to experience and then also it's livened up by um uh you know just the dialogue that crosses the table just uh, almost like a seinfeld episode where it's uh people talking about doing nothing you know what i mean uh, just what you're going to do regular. And right. Tyler was in the middle of it. And the other thing, you know, John Wooden had a great quote. John Wooden always said, uh, uh, about his players, he always said, I love all of you, but some of you I like better than others, mm. you know? Which, uh, you know, anybody that says they love everybody the same, well, they're just lying, you know? And then, um, uh, but uh, Tyler was certainly one that I liked, uh, that I liked a great deal.
0: I appreciate your thoughts on him very much. Listen, before you go, you and I, we haven't talked Neil Young in quite some time. Are you still listening to Neil Young, or what are you listening to these days?
1: Well, I listen to him when I can, and then the, the other thing is, you, you ever notice that, like, when you're in a vehicle on, on Sirius Radio or any of that, uh, the later it is at night, the better the music is? I mean, the, the, somehow they only let the really cool DJs go really late, you know? And um, so, anyway, I kind of wish I was in the vehicle late at night more. I listen to less now that I walk to and from. I still like Neil Young would like to go meet him sometime. You know, everybody says they'd like to meet somebody, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, oh, it's like when I uh, was a kid, you know, you'd walk down the. Path and if there was a frog in the path, some people walked by and some people poke the frog in the ass to see how far it would jump. And I was one of those kids poking the frog in the ass, so um, uh, to see him jump. And then, um, but no, I, I uh, no, I, I he's one of them I'd like to meet. I mean, that's a guy that thinks independently and you know has done his own thing and always done it his terms and. I think just very impressive.
0: Yeah, I'm shocked. I was gonna say, I I would imagine you've met him before. What was that like? But you haven't met him before. I'm the same way. I would love no, to meet you. I
1: haven't met him. I'd like to meet him. Me too. And the funny thing is I don't even know anybody that's met him. You know? <laughs> like like usually you can do the the degrees of separation, whatever that stuff means, but um I I uh not only would I like to meet him, I don't even know anybody that that knows him, you know.
0: That that's I mean, actually maybe, really maybe interesting.
1: Nelson, I don't
0: know. Now I was gonna but, say, what um, Bob Dylan?
1: Well, see, this is kind of funny. This is close I've gotten to Dylan. Um, so they did a concert in Lubbock, and um, some of his band members were from Texas and and kind of uh, followed this, and I can't recall their names. But they'd watch on the bus, you know, because they were doing a tour with. Uh, it was a tour with Willie Nelson, uh, John Mellencamp, and then and then Dylan, and some of his band members were from Texas, following the games and stuff. And so I, some I can't remember who passed me the number, but it was, and I talked to him, and it was basically yeah, well if you were ever doing a show, let us know, and all that type of thing. Which of course you get busy, and I never taken them up on it but uh, and it's been so long um don't know if they're still a part of it but yeah that's as close as i ever got to that never met bob dylan either
0: hey, mike you might find this hard to believe since you mentioned it i'm not in any way looking to store anything up but i want you to know this i made my first pilgrimage ever to lubbock and i did so within the past month because i went to see the basketball coach there chris beard Like, holy crap. I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But, you know, and you know the area. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, so I know hot. I know what it's like in the summertime. I'm telling you, Mike, it was probably 108 going on 240 in Lubbock, man. But I had a good time, though. I enjoyed it.
1: The one thing in Lubbock, though, you get a breeze. Usually. Not me. If if they didn't have a breeze, you were there at an utterly horrible time. And sometimes that breeze is good. Sometimes it's not because... You'll get this, um, the one thing about Lubbock in the heat is there is almost always a breeze, but sometimes it's like a furnace, where you go out there and your face is all of a sudden uh, kind of rough. I mean, it's all rough and eaten up because uh, that breeze is like uh, setting your face in front of a furnace. I know Chris Beard real well. Chris Beard was an assistant when I was at uh, Texas Tech, so I know him real well. He worked for both Bob Knight and Pat Knight.
0: He loves you. He loves you. How do you like Beard? He's one of my favorites.
1: Oh, he's hilarious. He was, so, and we've been leapfrogging over each other a little bit, so he'll go to Key West, text me from there and stuff like that. And, and the worst of it is is uh, um, he'll be there, and then I'm going to be there in a week, and then by then he's home or whatever, you know?
0: You guys will run into each other. you got to intersect at some point. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky instead from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And you know what? It goes wherever you go. To the game, to the gym, to the beach. So you want to make sure... You look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. This way you see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you, clones. If you do not see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? What are you reading these days? You're always going to read biographies. You're a big history buff. What's the last great book you read? I need something to read.
1: Oh, shoot. I wish I could help you on that. I've got... um this time of year, I really don't. No, I get much. that. I've got I've got a big on deck circle. I've got, um, you know, there's a, 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 a book called Hemingway's Boat that I've heard good things about. That um, basically, on the path of uh, integrating his boat, the Pilar, into it, that tells about his kind of his life and in all kinds of directions. Uh, I'm trying. What subject do you want? You got a good subject for me. You want you know, to read? You know, I'm
0: more I'm I, I i, I tend I tend to go to the same stuff, Mike. I like I like nonfiction. I like reading kind of motivational stuff. My big thing right now, I've been reading up on a lot of the. You know, you know, it's become really in vogue and in fashion. Or like a lot of the former Navy SEALs, like Jocko Willink and David Goggins. You know, those guys were are constantly pushing you: be better mentally, be better physically. I, I kind of like that stuff. Stuff that, that oh, I can here, put uh, into practice.
1: Um. um uh. Let me think here. The Navy SEAL
0: stuff. Not Um, not that I do it, but I want to be more like that. And I'm trying to get there, you know.
1: I'm trying to think Navy SEAL stuff. You know, that's the other. You need to come down to Key West. We'll hang out. Because I run into Navy SEALs down there all the time. They actually let me go watch them train because... uh, and I'll tell you that this is funny. The, the first Navy SEAL I ever met was Marcus Luttrell. Right. And he was the first one I ever met. There was a time I didn't know any Navy SEALs, but our strength coach at, at Texas Tech, Benny Wiley, uh, it was kind of adopted and grew up with uh, Marcus Luttrell. And so the Luttrell the brothers, their twins, um, <clears throat> kind of helped raise uh, Benny. Okay. And they got their eagle scouts together. The whole thing. So right before he's deployed, he actually came and talked to our team as we're doing off season stuff, and showed us how you can tell a Navy SEAL lifted his shirt up, and uh, they always have a scar where the butt of their gun uh, rubs against uh, their lower back as they're swimming, you know. And um, he. Uh, uh, shoot, and then I remember, and then he disappeared. And I asked Benny, "How's Marcus doing? How's Marcus doing?" Because at that time, he's the only one I'd ever met in my life, and I right. was very impressed. And then the the Star Lone Survivor comes out, but uh, down there in Key West, um, you know, you'll get to see and meet these guys. And what's so amazing is they're just uh, is is first of all, um, they're young guys. I mean, just uh, I mean, not to makes me feel old, but they're, they're youngish guys. And then, you know, they're following football or whatever, just like anyone uh, else might be. And they've and some take an in some taken interest. And, and then, uh, but the other thing is that's uh, always amazed me is, is they'll be in just most incredible shape, not particularly big. Marcus was uh, huge for a seal, but not particularly they're not. Big because you got to be the right size that you can do about anything. You know, and then, um, you know, whether it's climb a rope, swim, uh, run for distance, you know, whatever. And, um, and just watching them out there as they do their maneuvers and stuff, it's just so incredible. And then the other thing that, that, that really sets you back after seeing them do something as physical as the, the things that they do, um, they're all incredibly smart, not sort of smart, incredibly smart. And, uh uh they really are the best and the brightest uh the the uh um sitting here looking at uh uh one book that I've always <clears throat> wanted to read i probably need to i need to I have the most success reading books when I set it somewhere where I have to be like for example my my response you know it's it's cliche everybody sets one by the toilet or whatever and that is an effective way but I find that if I set it uh, in my chair by the TV and I'm required to read a couple pages each commercial, um, that you can get through a book. And I need to start doing... One that I've always wanted to read that is historical, goes way back, is The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And it it illustrates kind of the madness that uh, some of these guys can find their way into. You know, just, uh, you know, and there's always been the question of, you know, did they... Were, were they corrupt, horrible people when it started, or did they become horribly uh, corrupt as they went? You know, the the whole Nazis and all that, and then and the, and I think it's a combination of both. To be honest with you, I think some of them were very scarred by World War One and um, some of the the stuff that uh, bore down on those countries during World War One, and then I think they just became. Uh, very vicious people, but uh, the, what's interesting about this book is it's not really just a history book. Um, you know, we, the both sides had journalists on the other side, even in the heat of the war and things like that. And this American journalist just wrote about—he literally knew all these people. You know, wrote about all these people, knew all these people. You know, and 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 although I haven't read the book, it sounds like he. Kind of unfolds the personality and the events within the context of these people that he actually knows as he watches them, uh, um, you know, morally, spiritually spiral downhill,
0: you know. Hmm. So then finally, you mentioned Hemingway. Are you a Hemingway guy or a Fitzgerald guy? If you had to pick.
1: Well, I'm more of a Hemingway guy. And I find out of the. Uh, now, Fitzgerald, the, I think the best novel ever written is The Great Gatsby okay, of the of the ones that I've read, okay, like you know, everybody says the best novel, well, there's so damn many novels, how the hell do you know, I mean, you've got, you got, you got a lot of work to do if you're going to declare that, but uh, the ones I've read, the best one is The Great Gatsby, okay, and I've never read anything by Hemingway that I found to be as as uh, talented as the Great Gatsby. Well, Michael, to let me let,
0: perfect, me, let me, I have to ask, let me just jump in, start to interrupt. But to that point, right? When I went to college in Santa Barbara, I had a professor who said exactly what you said. He said, The Great Gatsby is a perfect novel, it is the best novel ever written. I've always been a Sun Also Rises guy, and I love them both. Is The Great Gatsby better than The Sun Also Rises?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And, and, and like I say, I'm in. Interested in Hemingway's life and, and things like that. Um, you know, because Hemingway himself, and Hemingway's biographies are almost even more interesting than uh,
0: what he wrote. Hemingway's novels. Uh-huh.
1: And, um, you know, Hemingway himself, who was good friends with Fitzgerald, um, um, always felt like uh, he, yeah, I mean, he, he suggests that Fitzgerald was crazy talented.
0: And Hemingway
1: was relatively jealous of other authors, but he he himself felt like uh, 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 Fitzgerald was crazy talented. Um, And for Hemingway, this is kind of a load because Hemingway loved to drink, but uh, that uh, um, felt like uh, Fitzgerald drank his way out of being a great writer. And I guess the argument can be made that eventually Hemingway did, too. But uh Can
0: I tell you the professor that told me that did too, so that makes three. <clears throat>
1: yeah, everybody thinks they need to be tortured for their art for right. some reason, I don't know if they feel like they have to be tortured for their art or if they somehow yeah, you get wrapped up into it so intensely or whatever that you feel like you have to twist off or it's some kind of a venting process. It's all um yeah, it's all sort of disturbing in a way, but the uh um I've always found and, and I kept saying I'd only read one and I you you'll ask which ones they are. They're by various people and I just can't remember the titles, but I always said well, I'd read one Hemingway biography and that'd be enough and that would satisfy things. And, and I haven't, I've, I've read probably five, you know, I mean, and they're all interesting and all shed a different light on something else. And part of it, what makes it worthwhile is, is people like Fitzgerald go enter into the, and, and the, the stuff. I've actually been to Hemingway's house in Cuba in the Marina that he hung out wow. at and stuff like that. And then, um, the other, uh, uh, But yeah, his life itself, I'll tell you one book that they hammer on a little bit, and it's really not a novel, it's more of a biography thing, is The Movable Feast. But at least in my case, I found Movable Feast to be quite interesting, because I just felt like I could visualize those uh, the artists and writers of the 20s, you know, in Paris, the lost generation doing their thing, and it just painted a good picture in my mind, even though, you know, people bash on it a little and and to an extent Hemingway's kind of ratting on his friends you know
0: well nobody likes a rat but I see your point I mean it, th- those images are so vivid it'd be a great time listen Mike you you were always great to talk to especially during a bye week we had to get caught up I'm gonna take you up on that unofficial offer to come to Key West when is the best time to be in Key West
1: hey, you know this is a minority opinion I think July is
0: hmm and, and the reason I think July is in,
1: in, you know, the, the Northeast, you know, they always say, Oh, it's too hot. Well, it is, of course it's hot. It's a, you know, it's, it's Key West. Of course it's hot. There's a light breeze. It's never a hundred, but it's always high humidity. And then, um, but what I like about it is it is it thins out, um, it thins out and the local, uh, there's enough tourists to dress the place up and, and then, uh, everything's open, but nowhere's crowded and uh, I like it then, but I'll, I'll go after the the bowl if I don't go skiing.
0: As long as there's not that Lubbock furnace blast and don't confuse it. I did love Lubbock. As long as it's a breeze and it's not that furnace blast. Mm-hmm. And, and where are you skiing these days?
1: Hey, my favorite place is Crested Butte. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, but it's kind of isolated and you got to be going there to get there, uh, uh, last summer I skied at Sundance and, in uh, cause I got some kids going to school there. So we'd go visit kids and relatives and then mm-hmm. drop out at Sundance, you know, we'd say, yeah, well, we'd love to stay here all night, do this all night, but well, shoot, got to go up to that place in Sundance, you know? And so, uh, yeah, we'd get just a little, uh, cabin there and, and uh, and Sundance, which, uh, I think we ought to do it that way a lot because you can still get in and out of that town, and you know you can get to Salt Lake in half an hour, pretty much.
0: Can't beat that. All right, Mike. I don't want to overstay my welcome. It is great to have you on this podcast. It is great to get caught up with you. I always appreciate the time and the visit, Mike. Extremely well done.
1: Well, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, It's always good to talk to you, and uh, you get me talking more than average. So let's do it again.
0: clones if you're like me you're always looking for a better faster cleaner source of natural energy and nutrition good news i've done the research for you i have found it i'm talking about athletic greens athletic greens ultimate daily is the obsessively researched all-in-one nutritional support powder which contains 75 vitamins minerals and whole food ingredients Just one scoop contains essential prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and more, all of which support your gut health, energy levels, and immune system. And it's easy. Like every morning before breakfast, I simply mix in a scoop into 10 ounces of water, and I get a jump start on feeling my best for the entire day. Or even if you're on the road or you're away from home, the travel packs make it especially easy to keep up your healthy routine because there is no need to carry around multiple pill bottles. Simply put, Athletic Greens can help you feel amazing every day no matter what life throws your way. No compromises, no harmful chemicals, no artificial colors, no sweeteners, no added sugar, no GMOs. Athletic Greens' ultimate dailies are also gluten and dairy-free. They're also vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly. So start every day by squaring away your nutritional needs, so you're ready for whatever comes your way. And right now, you can jump on over to athleticgreens.com/rome and claim my special offer: twenty free travel packs valued at seventy nine dollars with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com/rome. Athletic Greens. Start your day right. Good things will follow. 98 up, 98 down, and an enormous thanks to Mike Leach for the time and for the conversation on the pod. Appreciate that very much. Now, you already know that we are counting down to EP100. Instead of remembering that and checking back, just smash the subscribe button right now, and every future episode will just automatically download straight to your listening device. You don't look for it. It will find you. You'll never miss a thing. It's easy. It's simple. It's smart. So go ahead and do that. As always, I do appreciate you listening. And as a bizarre token of that appreciation, here are your voicemails on my direct line, 949 447
2: First new message. David Flint here. It would be a real great thing, I think, for the jungle if you could get um, Ken Burns in here for a podcaster, too, because of his documentary on baseball. I love you, brother. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Romy, this is Mike from Green Bay. Here at Cologne 19 in Green Bay. Just give you a bread report. We are down to four loaves of bread.
1: Uh, hopefully, we will be fine. It's only 2 We will keep you posted.
2: Message deleted. Next message.
1: Stop defending Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is boo-boo. He can't even get away from the police. rum give me a fake. Cleveland Browns, America's team, uh, not so much. Greg and Tahoe.
2: Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. This is Jen. And, oh my God. I just love your aviation. I love yeah. aviation so much. Turns me on. Message deleted. Next message.
1: I'm talking about that Forbes 911 call. It's the best because. The call is not the best. Is what you said after when you said if she would have handled her kids like she handled Forbes, she wouldn't have been in that mess. And my buddies and I still laugh and talk about that.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Hey James P Rome, Mark, long time listener in SoCal, now in exile in New York. So I just discovered the
2: podcast and I'm loving it.
0: Hey, I got a favor to ask. Can you please have Chip
1: Kelly on so you can ask it on my behalf, Chip? What the fuck?
2: How are you doing message saved next message snacky doodle david and Salem. what do you think is going through rick's head right now they are six points down hey that's how i'm talking at home right now with all my family and shit actually i'm out of line but man i hope i hope fucking the bills rip this one from the patriots Message deleted. Next message.
1: This is Don from Edgetown. I started listening to you when the late great Dickie brought you into our market. Love the show, but I got to tell you, your podcasts are unbelievable. The variety of guests you have are spectacular. Keep up the good work, bro.
2: Message saved. Next message.
0: This is David from Buffalo. Tony Romo does not belong on the PGA Tour. He's a great golfer in the amateur world. But on the PGA
1: Tour, the best in the world, Tony Romo does not belong. I'm
2: out, Rome. Message deleted. You have no more messages.